0: It's honestly fun to like, put the pieces together and realize why you act a certain way or like, where did this come from? And you learn so much about yourself. I feel like I didn't even know myself a year ago. And now like, I really, really know who I am.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to episode 27 of the Mad Happy Podcast. I'm Payman.
2: And I'm Mason.
1: And we created the show to have conversations about mental health.
2: We talk about some pretty serious topics on the show. We are by no means professionals and are not giving advice. If you or someone you know needs help, please visit us at localoptimist.com backslash podcast.
1: Today we're joined by our friend Brie LaPaglia, also known as Brie Chicken Fry, which which we learned early on in the episode really incredible episode she's of course been growing a lot across the podcast she's doing her content on tiktok instagram everywhere but really i think early on in this episode you kind of get an idea for where she came from and how that's influenced a lot of both how she got to where she is today and really where she's hoping to go and some stuff that she's still honestly working through.
2: Totally. I mean, I I was blown away when she told us how old she was. Um, I thought that she was close to 30 years old. I think her story is incredible and she's only just getting started. So it's really exciting.
1: Yeah, really, really special one. So hope you guys enjoy. Mason, remind them of our partnership
2: with Cash App. If you guys don't know, I don't even know what to tell you. Um, This isn't going to go on forever, by the way. So take advantage of this while you can. There are only a few more opportunities that you'll have to win some money for free that you can put towards your mental health. Each week, we are giving away thousands of dollars on the Local Optimist Instagram. So check out Local Optimist on IG, follow the prompts in the latest post and enter for your chance to win. The Mad Happy Podcast is brought to you by Optimism.
1: Enjoy the show with Brianna Chicken Fry. Today, we're joined by our friend Bri. Uh, Bri, I'm wondering how do you introduce yourself these days when you meet someone?
0: Yeah, so it is kind of weird. It depends on the person I'm meeting or the people I'm talking to. I feel like I'm known as a lot of different people now, but I would say the overwhelming name now is uh, Brianna Chicken Fry, which I have coined for myself. And I wish I didn't, but I did.
1: (laughs) What is the origin of that name?
0: It's very stupid. Actually, I started it. I started using it when I created my TikTok account in March of 2019. Did not expect it to blow up my TikTok at all. And I was just like, hey, my leg looks like a chicken fry from Burger King and uh, it's stuck. And unfortunately, it's sticking with me.
1: Yeah, it's pretty catchy, I will say. It is. <laughs> cool. Um,
2: I got a question for all of us to answer to start things off. Um, we usually try and start every episode with like a different prompt for us all to answer to kind of get present with each other. And I was trying to think of one for today. I just thought of this a few minutes ago. But what is something that you want to accomplish before the year is over?
1: Bree, we'll let you start.
0: Okay. This is big um something i want to accomplish before this year is over which it is almost over soon i would say uh, i've been working really hard on trying to make my own kind of make myself my own business and have other forms of income than just like you know my bar stool stuff so i would like to accomplish in a uh, a partnership with an alcohol to work towards my own alcohol been working hard on that one Ooh. Yeah.
1: So, um, I could go next. Um, yeah, there you go. I think for me, I, yeah, I also think it's crazy. It's like November eighth, um, so know. Like basically the year's over. Um, I feel like for me, by the end of the year, mm, it's always crazy for us at the end of the year with like holiday and all the stuff that we're doing. So, maybe trying to take a little bit of downtime in this end of December is something I'm looking forward to, and hopefully, um, we'll get to do this year. So, I don't know if that's an accomplishment, but
0: that's okay. a good one you need <laughs> I was expecting
2: that one from you I like that yeah um what is mine uh I think I want to be more uh active physically I think I uh like the only exercise I get is really like playing tennis like once a weekend I, I just played this last weekend for the first time in like a month because we were in New York and then had the two stores open and I was just like gassed. I just yeah, it hurt. <laughs> could not breathe. And, uh, I want to start to get a little bit more active. I try, like, I feel like I try and go on walks around the office, but like the, the area is not great. Um, and then I just commit to myself that I'm too busy or tired. Yeah. yeah that's a good one.
0: It is a good one. <laughs> I might, I might add that to my list as well.
1: Yeah. It's good for everyone's list. I think Yeah.
2: <laughs> it is. Bree, can you tell us a little bit about like your childhood and kind of growing up, uh, where you grew up, like what your family was like and maybe how you feel like that impacted like your mental health as a young girl?
0: Yeah, for sure. So um, I just recently started talking about my childhood more and kind of where I came from. I kind of shut it off from the internet the whole time that I was present. And when um, I blew up, I kind of felt like I owed it a little bit to the people that followed me to actually know who I was. So I grew up in South Boston, which is like kind of a city, a uh, little bit of a neighborhood area in Boston. I grew up an only child. I have three half sisters, but uh, they're the youngest one is nine years older than me, so really big age gap. And they're from my dad's first marriage, which he had when he was 16. So he was kind of just thrown into it. And um, they thought having more kids, you know, made it better. We, we all know that doesn't work. So um, those were my <laughs> sisters and they kind of grew up in a very different environment than I did. They grew up in the projects. My Both of my parents grew up in the projects in Boston. So my family comes from very little. They um, worked very hard to, you know, basically become like a blue collar workers, essentially, like, you know, lower middle class. And I grew up in boston i saw a lot of stuff i grew up alone my parents both worked two jobs so uh, i didn't really see them a lot and uh, they couldn't afford childcare, so i was home alone a lot by myself Um, i didn't have many friends in the city i went to a small catholic school where in my whole grade there were 16 kids so uh, i didn't have i had one friend she lived two towns over so i could never see her I grew up there. There's a lot of drug uh, problems in my family. So, uh, my uncle and my aunt were revolving in and out of my life in my basement. Actually, my mom was like the caretaker. She adopted both of my aunt's children when she abandoned them. So, I saw a lot of drug abuse at an early age. I saw my uncle overdose when I was eight years old which of course was traumatizing. And I'm just like starting to understand that. I think Uh, also my sisters, two of them in and out of a heroin addiction. So uh, I definitely saw a lot growing up and I dealt with it all by myself and kind of kept it bottled up to like, I want to say about this year, I've kind of been avoiding it thinking that um, I didn't have to confront it. And now realizing that if I don't confront it, things are going to get really bad for me. So um, definitely took a huge toll on my mental health by ignoring it, which I think a lot of people do. And that kind of fucked me up big time.
2: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm curious for you, like what kind of behaviors or like personality traits do you think that that like arose in you? Because for me, I had kind of like the opposite experience of you growing up, like I was never alone like Mm -hmm. i had like five brothers and sisters and a mom and dad that tried to be as present as they could and aunts and uncles and cousins and like friends and like my house was always like a like an amusement park Mm -hmm. with like a revolving door so like i developed a part of me that like wanted to be super private and like shady and like have be able to do things that no one knew about or that like i didn't have to share with anyone um and i'm curious for you spending so much time alone obviously i imagine you matured a lot faster and kind of had to grow up very quick. But how did that kind of shape who you are?
0: Yeah. So I'm starting to realize I have one friend that I tell everything and everything. I only have one friend, but I have so many friends in my life that I shut out. I don't want to tell them about myself or my problems because growing up, quote unquote, alone, I just felt like I was like a burden almost. So now that I'm older and I have so many people that care about me and I know that, it's still really hard for me to open up and understand that people want to listen to me and that I'm not a burden. And, um, it's ruined a lot of my relationships, like romantic relationships. And it's also ruined a lot of my friendships where they're one sided. I'm kind of like the therapist almost and I'm listening, but I'm never telling. So my friends feel like they don't even know me, but I know everything about them. So uh, that's definitely affected me and shaped me into like this. It seems like I'm cold almost in a way where I'm not very affectionate, Uh, that's a big one. Like, I don't like hugging. I don't like, I'm just like, even in romantic relationships, I'm so unaffectionate. Um, It's hard for me to like show love and um, I'm working on it, but I know now that it's not just because I'm this like cold, awful person. It's because of the experiences I went through when I was younger and never dealt with them.
2: Yeah. it's, uh, It's funny, like a bunch of things that we don't get taught in school that you think are just like, innate to humans but they're really not of like we don't know how to love someone or like what a relationship is supposed to look like we really only have either what our parents are doing in front of us or like maybe what we're seeing on like a TV screen or something like that and then that's how we like base our whole kind of thing like my uh my parents got a divorce uh when I was in the 10th grade and I found out that my dad was gay um my whole childhood and then like and then I really thought about it I was like damn like I never saw my parents be that affectionate or like Mm -hmm. really uh, like love each other physically like that or like hold hands a lot or stuff in front of the kids. And then I was like, wow, that totally contributed to like now how I operate with girls and how like I try and do all these things. And like there definitely isn't enough like education, even with like social relationships and romantic relationships about like the right way to do them. We kind of just like see see what it's like and then Mm -hmm. just have to like do our best.
0: Yeah, I, mine kind of the same way. So um, my parents didn't get divorced until I left for college, but in my whole twenty-one years of them being together, I I've never seen my parents kiss. They were fighting constantly. It was like a horrible, horrible right. relationship. So same way, same thing. I'm no like, wonder you don't want a hug. Yeah, yeah, right. It's like I didn't <laughs> even know what a hug was. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it definitely affects you. And like you said, it's so weird. You are how you were brought up in your environment and like my friends who grew up in, not that they didn't have loving homes, but like a home where your parents were kissing all the time or they were hugging and, you know, they showed you that they hugged you all the time. My friends like that are like, why don't you want to cuddle? Come sit with me next to me on the couch. And I feel weird that I don't want to, but it's because I didn't grow up seeing that. Same, same like you.
1: And at the time, I mean, first of all, thank you for sharing all of that, because I feel like there's, there's so much there. Like at the time, did you realize that like it wasn't normal or it was just like oh like you know like this is this is my life and i'm an only child like my siblings are way older than me like i'm i'm meant to be alone like do you remember any of that um at the time
0: yeah i do um i knew it wasn't normal because when i would go to so when i was 12 i moved out of the city and i moved to a suburb like 20 minutes out of boston And my neighbors were my cousins and my cousin's parents Mm. are still like the only relationship, like happy marriage that I've truly ever seen. Like they're so in love. They're so infatuated with each other. So when I moved out there and I started like those are those turned into my siblings, like my two sisters and my brother now are my cousins. I was there every day. I saw how a relationship was supposed to work. But at that age, I'm already 12 And I feel like my brain already thinks a different way than it's supposed to. And that's when I realized, oh, okay, my parents' relationship isn't normal. The way that I kind of act isn't normal. I was totally different than my cousins. Like I just acted completely different in almost every way, like my mannerisms, just the way I talked, the way that we played. I was just like the weird kid. And I I realized that at a young age.
1: (laughs) And then I'm wondering, so... You move there when you're 12, like you're in middle school, you Mm -hmm. you start going to high school. Like how is, how are you developing at that point? Like, are you, are you starting to like feel like, oh, like I have anxiety or like I have like, you know, different, these different types of feelings. Did you even know what that was back then? Like take us through, I guess, to the end of high school and, and how, how you progressed in in that sense.
0: Yeah. So I played sports my whole life and all of a sudden, I think it was, The first time I went to the hospital for my chest hurting was, uh, I want to say the end of eighth grade. Like after a basketball game, I was like, oh, my chest hurt. My chest is hurting. I must have asthma. Let's go to the doctor. So my parents brought me to the doctor and uh, my doctor sat me down and was like, we did the EKGs. They tested me for whatever they needed to test me for. And they're like, you're completely healthy. This might be anxiety. And at this point, I mean... What this was 2013, maybe 2012. Nobody really talked about mental health, especially in my small little town. Nobody cared about it. Um, I was like, anxiety. No way. I'm a I'm a happy kid. Look at I have all these friends. I, I have nothing to be anxious about. So I was like, no, that's not true. Uh, my dad was kind of harping on me for it, telling me, no, like this is anxiety. Like we need to do something about it. And I was kind of dismissive. And I didn't tell him any anymore Mm -hmm. when my chest hurt. And then it got really, really bad. My sophomore year of high school is when I realized I think differently. I am having these horrible, horrible thoughts. Every time I shut my eyes in bed, I'm a 14-year-old kid and I'm thinking about everything that's wrong with me. I'm thinking about all these horrible things I want to do to myself. Um, And then I can't sleep like no 14-year-old should have insomnia, right? So I'm like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. I'm also on Accutane, which increases suicidal thoughts. So, And then I'm not telling anyone about this because I was embarrassed. I was super embarrassed. I tried to pretend like I was so happy, didn't tell my parents about it because I wasn't comfortable. They had never taught me about it, Um, never told my doctors about it. And then uh, at the end of that year, so this is sophomore year in high school, I tried to take my own life which thank God it didn't work. Um, The craziest thing is I still didn't tell anyone about it besides my best friend who is still my best friend now. And uh, my parents just found out about it this year. And um, ever since then, it's been an ongoing struggle with depression really bad anxiety through the roof, especially in my new world, my new realm doing social media and being in the public eye. And then also At the same time, in the beginning when I started social media, being embarrassed of it and not wanting to talk about it, opening up has helped me so much. But I mean, it never goes away, right?
2: What was it like to finally uh, share that with your parents and and how do they kind of respond?
0: Um, See, this is a weird thing. Like, I have this relationship with my parents where it's like, I know they love me and I love them, but I grew up in such... Like a home where we didn't talk about things. And uh,
2: mm-hmm.
0: now like I tried to talk to them more. My dad understands it a little more because I found out that my dad struggles with depression too. And I didn't know that until this year. But telling them was kind of like it was almost like awkward. I was like, this is still kind of weird. They don't know what I'm talking about. They're there to support me but they don't get it. And that's why I think like education on mental health now more than ever is so important. And like, especially for parents, if you're going to have a child, you're going to bring a kid into this world. You need to learn about it and talk about it. Because what if that like, what if it went through when I was 14 and my parents had no ideas because they didn't talk to me about it. They didn't teach me about it. We also didn't learn about it in school. So, um, yeah, it was weird telling my parents. Um, I'm really glad I did. And I feel like I have a weight lifted off of my chest.
2: That's amazing. Um, I've struggled a lot too with like suicidal ideation and, and kind of just depression my entire life. And like my, my darkest moment was like three years ago in the summer of 2018. And like when I think back about it now, I I really think about like the moments like right before and like what I was feeling and then kind of right after and what i was feeling and like the first people that i contacted and then now looking back on it too like i also didn't really share with my parents how i was really feeling and i think because i had just like struggled my whole life so like i didn't want to be viewed as like the problem child they're like oh like mason's having a hard time again or like i thought that we already did this kind of like all these things so it's like you just try and like do it on your own or like i i can get through this time or whatever and now it seems like so silly honestly to like think that i had to hide that from them or like we we had this other guy like like a rami on the show who created a tv show where like all these people in a family like are going through shit and none of them are talking to each other and Mm -hmm. like that's what i think about of like these are the people who were supposed to love the most trust the most are supposed to care for us the most. And yet for some reason, they're also the people that are like kind of the hardest to talk to about things. You know, like mm-hmm. you're, you said your dad was struggling with depression too, but you had no idea. Like it, like to me, that just like makes me so frustrated, honestly, because of like all of the other fathers and daughters and families all over the country that like are probably kids are probably feeling a lot of the same shit as the parents and they just don't communicate. Mm-hmm. And, it really is that like education and that communication piece that like would just open it up. And it's like, this is our fucking family. Like this is supposed to be who we keep it a hundred with like all the time. It's like, it's, it's really annoying, honestly.
1: Yeah. Bri, I, I also think it's like, it's funny because obviously like we just met, but like the way that this show is formatted, like, like you wouldn't even talk about some of this stuff with like <laughs> right? your friends, which like I find the same thing. Like, we talk about stuff on here and I'm like, oh, like I would have like probably never said that in another context. Um, which, which like my friends are going to listen to this yeah, and get pissed, at which is so weird too. because it, it shows like how like conditioned we are to like not talk about things that even though like all we do is like try to talk about this stuff, it's like still feel, feel, feel super weird for us. Um, and then it, yeah, it comes back to like the edu- education point you're making, which is like a lot of people we have on here say like, even when they try to explain it to like their parents or their friends, like unless you've gone through it, it's so hard to understand. And, and I think that that's a scary part, right? Because it's like all of us or who, you know, anyone who like has kids, like, you know, they're going to go through it in some way, especially now with social media, all this stuff. So like, not having like the tools or the ability to talk about it with your friends because you or with your kids when you grew up never talking about it is just like such a bad place to start from. So it, it's, it's like such a good point.
2: It's hard to. I mean, none of us are our parents, uh, Bri. I assume that you don't have any children. No. To like <laughs> think about how hard it is to just open up and be vulnerable and like put yourself out there, and then to imagine like a parent having to do that. To their child, when like you're supposed to be the pillar for like safety and security and trust like mm-hmm. i I can't imagine how that would be very, very hard, but to me, I honestly believe that it's like the opposite of like you you doing that kind of shows that like you're not a superhero or like you 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 are a human being just like your kids at the end of the day, like there's so much more that you have in common than not. And it's just, like, a very interesting, like, relationship dynamic. It it makes it, like, more complicated to be able to have those kind of conversations. Yeah, you know? it
0: does. It it almost makes it feel like – I know, like, at the end of the day, your parent is, like, the boss of you. But, like, in a work environment, you, you wouldn't go talk to your boss about these things because there's the power authority. And then, like, you look at parents. So it's like they're the power figure. They're going to be the strong ones in the room. They want to be the superheroes for you. So you look up to them, like – they're perfect. Why do I need to tell them what's wrong with me? I don't want them to think lesser of me. But then like you just said, if parents just opened up, it's like, oh my gosh, I feel so safe here. You feel safer mm-hmm. and you're able to talk about it, which like I, like you said, could only imagine how scary that is to open up to your kid and tell them you're not a superhero because you want them to feel safe with you. But at the end of the day, I think it's, help- it's more helpful.
1: Yeah. And especially like when they're younger, because like you said, like by the time you're 12 and you started like feeling like, the chest pain and stuff like in many ways it was too late already Mm -hmm. like you weren't gonna like now start sharing stuff with your dad um and i think almost like he probably was like oh like i have similar feelings but i haven't even been able to tell her and like now i can't tell her you know it's like such like a reinforcing loop which is sad um i'm curious like you you talked about a lot of like substance abuse problems in your family Mm -hmm. and like what has that meant for your relationship with 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 drugs, whether alcohol or otherwise, and and how you think about that uh, now in your life.
0: Yeah. So, the drug use in my family has been out of control. I've seen like so much, and from a young age, I was just taught like drugs ruin your life, drugs are this, and then I also like had seen it all. So, I mean, I knew by a young age that drugs were bad, drugs were this, but like you know, when you're a kid. Or like the D.A.R.E. program comes in and they're like, don't do drugs. And you're like all hyped up. You're like, yeah, fuck yeah, I'll never do drugs. But then it's like almost that reverse effect where when your parents are too strict, you want to lash out and do all this shit. So um, that kind of happened to me a little bit uh, in high school. I had, My dad was so strict, of course, right? Because two of his daughters are like recovering heroin addicts. And he's like, I fucked up so hard with them. I'm going to do everything I can to like try to make this one perfect. And... He did. He was very, very, very strict. And I mean, you're in high school, you're experimenting with drinking. Really, that's all I did in high school. But um, I kind of, I hid every single thing from my parents, which I think was so much more detrimental because say I did get too drunk and was about to get into a car with someone driving, I was too scared to even pick up the phone and call my parents because they made it so horrifying to even open up to them about everything. So they were so strict on me that I, any chance I could get, I would go out, I would party, I would be lying, I would sneak around. I would say I was at my cousin's house, but I'd be at my friend's house in the middle of nowhere. My parents had no idea. And it kind of like it was this horrible cycle where I was just out, I was just like outlashing and I, I wasn't being truthful ever. And then I realized my cousins told my aunt and uncle everything. And they were like, they could call their parents if they were at a party senior year and they needed a ride, or they could like talk to their parents about something that they messed up last night doing drunk which I mean it's different with every every parent and of course no parent's going to like encourage anything but at the end of the day you know what kids are doing in high school and it created this secrecy and I think that also also affected my secrecy and everything I was like I can't tell my parents fucking anything can't tell them how I'm feeling can't t- tell them what I'm doing so I kind of hated them and resented them for it and um now I well, not now in high school I realized that I was kind of getting crazy and I was going down a little bit of a a wrong path. I was hanging out with the wrong people. I changed my friend group because I was very aware, um, that I was hanging out with the wrong fucking people and I was trying to ruin myself to like get back at my parents, which is just so stupid. And thank God that I, because I matured so young, I was able to realize that before college and kind of just like get my head on my shoulders. But, um, which is weird because now I do a lot. I do these college tours, right, where I'm partying and I'm going to schools and um, I'm kind of like the party face of TikTok. But what a lot of people don't realize is I do so much more than that. Like I have my own podcast about mental health. Uh, I am an advocate for I don't do drugs. I talk about it all the time. Um, I'm just like a kid still trying to figure your shit out like I know I'm 22 and everyone thinks that you're supposed to know it all and and have it all but um at the end of the day I'm just an open honest person going through it all with everyone on social media but what has helped me is being transparent because I used to lie about a lot of the shit I did on social media and now I'm just like hey I know I'm not perfect I'm doing this you don't have to do it type of thing
2: (laughs) first off I I thought you were way older than a twenty-two. I don't know how I'll do. Yeah, her, but. twenty-two. That's because she's so mature. <laughs> um, I think everything you're saying about like how people perceive you socially is like exactly why we have our podcast. Exactly what Mad Happy is all about is like mm-hmm. if you laid these five things out about you on the table, like people are like, "All right, I'm going to go with like the partying yeah. and like the getting drunk and like the dressing up stuff. I don't want to touch any of like that that other stuff." So I feel like that realization only makes it more clear to me at least like where the real work is but Mm -hmm. how were you able to you you said that you kind of like switched up your friend group a little bit and like tried to start like running with some better kids Mm -hmm. how were you able to do that um despite all of like the social pressure and kind of like peer pressure of like partying and and going out because i was only really able to do that in like my mid to late 20s, like kind of cut my circle down a little bit mm-hmm. and like start to realize what the vision was. Uh But to do that in, in high school sounds like really tough.
0: Yeah. Well, actually, the turning point was eighth grade. I'll tell the story what it was. So um I was friends with everyone. I, I was in a small town. So like I was kind of just like involved in every friend group. And my main friend group at this point They all started smoking weed in eighth grade and I had never seen a drug. I had never done a drug. I have in the back of my head how horrible drugs are and I remember uh, my other friend group, Okay, let's say the good friend group. The good friend group asked me to hang out after school. And I was like, no, I'm going to blah, blah, blah's house, the bad friend group. And I remember they were like, ooh, why are you hanging out with them outside of school? Like, that's kind of crazy because they were just school friends. But to me, they were also real friends. And I went to their house and... It was just such a crazy dynamic. I remember their, all their older brothers came out. I felt very unsafe. They just put weed like all over the table. I had like flashbacks of my childhood. I know it's just weed, right? But I was like, this is crazy. I've never seen a drug before. What is going on? These kids are like 20 and 19. I'm i in eighth grade. What am I doing here? And... um. I remember they were like passing the blunt around and it came to me and I was like having a panic attack. This is when the chest started hurting. And um, I was like, oh, I need to go to the bathroom so bad. I need to go to the bathroom so bad. And the girl brought me (laughs) and she knew. She knew that I was freaking the fuck out. And she was like – okay, you don't have to do this. Like, do you want to call your mom? Like what is going on? And I called, uh, my older cousin, she came and picked me up and I never hung out with that group of friends again because of that like overwhelming feeling where I was just like, not that there's anything wrong with these people and what they're doing, but this is not, I can sense that I'm going to go down a, a bad path. And I completely switched my friend group up going into high school. So, um, I don't even I don't even know. When I look back at that and I tell people about this, because I've been opening up more about this and I did like other interviews here at Barstool about like my childhood, it's kind of crazy that I was able to recognize that when I was that young.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, your body was not down. No, my body, I was free. It already felt like I had
0: hit the blunt. I was like, no, what is going on? I'm feeling crazy. I had to get out of there. Yeah.
2: And then uh, we spoke about high school a little bit and then college, I know that you were kind of pre-med and then it was like right before the pandemic that like you had a change of heart and ended up dropping out. Um, I was wondering if you could speak a bit on that experience as well.
0: Yeah, so I also... Like I talked about earlier, I felt like I spent my whole time in high school trying to disappoint my parents or, like, get back at them. And then uh, when I realized, like, all they really were trying to do was, like, make a better life with me, I didn't see them because they were working to get me out of the city. I was like, all right, I kind of fucked up. Let me be a good kid. I'm smart. Um, I'll go pre-med. My dad will be proud. It's all he's ever wanted me to do was be a doctor. And I was like, I can do it. I will do it. So let me just go do it. And I enrolled uh, – um i enrolled pre-med it was like the hardest two years of my life i was miserable the whole entire time but i was like that's what that's what you're supposed to do right you're supposed to be miserable in college like no one's a doctor and is happy part of it yeah yeah so i was like okay um supposed to be miserable i'm supposed to hate this i'm supposed to wake up and dread going to school right that's school and um i talked to my roommates when we like junior year we get a house together we're living together And they're all talking about class so excited. And they're so happy. And they loved what they were doing. And like, they were talking about their future in a positive way. And I'm sitting there like, I fucking hate class. I don't want to do it. I can't see myself going to school for six more years. I'm miserable. I don't sleep. I'm tired. And I was like, damn, I don't have to be miserable. They're not miserable. They're like excited about their futures. They're excited for their careers. I can't think of anything else I'd rather do than not go do that career. And at that point, I'm like, I'm too deep. This is junior year. What what do I change my major? Stay for extra long. And then I picked up a film minor because I'd always loved film. Um, I like used to make movies when I was little. And it's always been like a big hobby of mine, just like creating. And uh, my dad... My freshman year told me i couldn 't do film as a minor because there's no real money there, and it 's not a job. Um, I had fucked that my junior year when I realized everyone else was happy and I was miserable and I made it a minor, took a bunch of film classes, realized I loved it, and then I got presented with all these opportunities with social media and uh, I really was just like i 'm so happy right now, I had never felt. As happy as I did when I started doing social media and creating and I just couldn't like shake the fact that I had spent three years being so miserable and then like in one month I'm like overwhelmingly happy where it's like I don't hate life. Why wouldn't I pursue this? And uh, I made the hard decision because it was hard. It's not always going to be a guarantee like I was dropping out of school. It was a really scary decision. I put a lot of money and time into school. Um, I made a pros and cons list. And uh, the pros list was just like six pages longer than the cons. And I said, fuck it. (laughs) I dropped out of school. I uprooted my life and I moved to New York City alone. And it seems to be working.
1: (laughs) Wow. That's crazy. I dropped out
2: of college, too. Uh, I didn't make it to my junior year. I just lasted one semester, actually. But mm-hmm. I think our both of our experiences are, are very similar, and I think it's such a great lesson for anyone listening and just any person anywhere who feels like they're on a path that doesn't really feel right to them, like there's no one way to live life there's no one way to grow up there's not one road that leads to success or a job or whatever you're after and i feel like the most important thing and the underlying message of all of this is just to like listen to yourself and like be true to yourself like don't do it for anyone else whether it's your parents or your roommates or you're too shy to say that you're not having a good time when everyone else is having a good time like think about what you love to do and see how you can kind of make a life out of that like For you to say that you're passionate about film, your dad said, don't do it. You finally did it. And then people don't think of film and social media like in the same breath. But you're like, hey, there's a bridge here of how I can connect these two things. And this could actually turn into something for me. So like Mm -hmm. when I dropped out, I didn't even have that clear of a path or like a, a direction as you did. But I just knew that like this wasn't right. And I think as long as you're willing to like work hard and ask questions and like open up to people that care about you and you can support and can support you like you can make a decision to go an unconventional path. It's gonna take a little bit more work and you're gonna to have to like be checking in with yourself and like really be honest about your situation. But you should never have to feel stuck in what you're doing just because you feel like it's what you're supposed to do. So I hope that uh that your story can can help inspire others who might be feeling kind of stuck right now. Cause it doesn't it doesn't have to be that
1: way.
0: Yeah. At any age too. It doesn't yeah, discriminate. You yeah. Could, you could be fifty and, and realize this.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of the thing is like also like the younger that you're willing to do it kind of like the less risk there is even though it seems like so much pressure because like all of your friends are there or like your parents have these expectations. I think for me I had a similar experience in that like I was always like really good at school like getting good grades everything and I was on this like path um, where I was like going into finance and whatever I was going to like make a lot of money over time and and all that. But I think. Um, I actually ended up getting sick. I got mono. I I came home for like a few months and then decided not to go back Um, just because like, again, like probably didn't feel right to move back to New York. And then we ended up starting Mad Happy like three months later. So I think it's like pretty insane because like that it was kind of like my body. I didn't even really make that decision. Mm But um, now whenever I think about it, it's just like the younger you are like you can always go back to that thing you could have always gone back to school like I could have gone back to that job like you know and and so I think like you can always go back like the cons list is really like not even there because you can always go back to that thing and and I think it's like so scary you know like the first leap but like now it's so clear to me that that's the way so um that's definitely something I always talk about um another thing I'm wondering though on that topic is topic is I feel like you made that really big decision in eighth grade and then another one to drop out like how were you able to kind of get that clarity of thought? Like, were you talking to your friends about it or it was just like, boom, like you kind of knew and you just like wanted to like bet on yourself or make that decision and like move on?
0: Yeah, it it was really scary and I didn't really talk to anyone about it because at the end of the day, before that, I had listened to everyone else and that had made me make decisions that I didn't really want to, like just for for instance, my dad, like I didn't I wanted to be a film major, but I couldn't because he said that. So in that time, I didn't want to talk to anyone. I wanted to make the decision on my own and for myself, and I didn't want to have anyone else's ideas like projecting onto me because if I did ask my best friend and she said no, I'd be like, "Oh well, fuck, my best friend said no, so there there might be something wrong there. Like I think when you're making huge decisions, especially like that. It's important to ask yourself first what you want and then talk to people. Like I had kind of already had my mind made up when I talked to my friends after. I was like, do you think it's a good idea? Really don't care at this point because I know I'm doing it. (laughs) So it it was more of like I'm going to make this bet on myself because like you said, when you're so young, it feels like you have so much pressure on you and it's like the worst time to make a a leap like that. But it's the best time to do it because you can always go back and – there really is no pressure on you. You're like, you you make your own path and do it for yourself. So once I realized like it was really what I wanted to do, and I wasn't just like kind of thinking about it anymore. It was like a done deal. And I couldn't sign the papers fast enough.
1: Yeah. And then I'm wondering, like, how did you, you know, you started creating content like on TikTok, and you were saying like, it was like growing there. But then eventually, like now you have your podcast, and you're like sharing a lot more about yourself on there. Like, How did you think about, like, that transition? Because I feel like, obviously, like, something that's way more personal has the opportunity to, like, be way more impactful to even one person, right? Like, Mm -hmm. a lot of the reason we do this show or have this brand is, like, we feel like a lot of people have been directly impacted. Like, how did you go from, you know, like, the more, I would say, probably mainstream content or, like, stuff that, like, is, like, viral to, like, Mm -hmm. talking about mental health and and like yourself and giving advice and, and, and that sort of thing?
0: So when I first started my TikTok or when it first like blew up and I left school and was doing it, I was just making like what I would think would be viral and what would get the likes because that gets the follows and that gets the money, whatever. And then I started getting DMs about how my content like changed people's lives or like made their day's better just because they got a smile or they got a laugh. And it was fun to see someone online that was authentic and personable. And then I started thinking more about myself. I'm like, I'm making these videos, which are great. And it's fun. And they're affecting people and impacting people. But like this is just one platform. I could do it in so many different ways. I'm not really talking about myself. I'm not really talking about anything. I'm doing a 15 screen grab where I know someone will like the video in time before they scroll. So I sat down and I didn't know if I was going to be good at a podcast just because I'd obviously never done one before. And I started making videos on Instagram being more personable and explaining like kind of who I was instead of just making a viral video and people really loved it and I was like, okay, people actually like me and they want to listen to me and this goes back to the whole thing where I never thought anyone wanted to listen to me. I felt like a burden and I was like, oh, wow, that's not the case at all. Like this was all, you got it all wrong. And, um, I started opening up more and I did like 10 podcast episodes and I hated them all. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I was trying to read a script. And then I realized when I put the script down and I just, I went into my room, I wrote a couple notes of, about things that were important to me. I could talk for hours and then I get all the feedback of, how people needed that and like I don't care if I have a thousand listeners or a million like to get the dms where you're actually changing someone's life or their mantra or just the way that they look at things like it could keep me going forever and I love making videos and stuff but now just like knowing that you're impactful on social media is crazy because there's so many people that have these platforms and do nothing with it so It just feels good to finally like be in a space where maybe you see me on TikTok and you think I'm just like this party person, but I know I'm a lot more than that. And there are a lot of people that know that too. So yeah, that's kind of just how I transferred into it. I understood that people actually would rather get to know you than just surface level things.
1: Yeah, I think it's something I've realized is like, it's like at first you're doing this like mainstream content that you think like everyone wants and isn't necessarily, like, super authentic to you, even if you have, like, your own spin on it. It's not, like, who you really are. And then the podcast medium is, like, set up perfectly to, like, actually talk about yourself and, like, for people to get to know, like, the unique parts about you, which end up being the thing that people wanted to hear the most because you're the only person that has those experiences and the only person that would say it in the way that you would say it. Um, have you felt that, like, just, like, more comfort with talking about those things that are more like authentic to who you really are like has that like developed within you which is like you want to do more and more of this and kind of like less of the other things or even if you're still doing the other things just like move the emphasis over
0: yeah for sure I definitely have had a change of heart in probably the past two two to three months where I feel like I'm really starting to like my career is picking up and I'm like blowing up more than I was. And it's kind of happened super fast. And I have all of these eyes on me. My demographic is young girls. Um, and, uh, I've realized I really just like in some way, shape or form, I want to feel like I'm doing some good out of it. So like when I go to these schools, Now for like my college tours, the emphasis is on the meet and greets where we come and we actually talk and I get to know you and you can ask me questions and I can ask you questions. And then it's like we celebrate after. And when I actually meet these people, I talk to them about whatever they want to talk about. I'm like, you have something you want to say? Because like we said in the beginning of this podcast, for some reason, it's easier to talk to someone you don't know than you do know. So I love being that outlet for these girls. And I've definitely, like, changed the narrative on myself a little uh, to more than just, like, this crazy content connoisseur that's just, like, you know, out here being a madman. I've definitely tried to, like, um, pull it back and not even take it away, but just pull it back and show that there's a lot more layers.
2: I'm curious, what, uh, what are you hearing most from these girls or just other students on campus about, like, kind of what they're thinking about or like what they're struggling with or kind of like what the current climate is, um, across the country at these schools.
0: Yeah. So a lot of my girls, like my, at my meet and greet are freshmen. So they have like no idea what they're getting themselves into and babies. Yeah. yeah, So they come (laughs) because all, of course, all my parties on the school like campuses are 21 plus. So all the young girls come to my meet and greets to meet me. And, Mm. um, they they just want to talk and talk and talk and ask for advice <laughs> about boys. They want to talk about advice with their friends and it's weird. I've created this I've created this like presence with my followers that like everyone notices because it's wherever we go. They interact with me like we're already best friends. Like I'll be out on the street with like other people from Barstool and people will come up and recognize them and just be like hey like sorry to bother you're gonna take a picture and like my followers will run up and hug me as hard as they can and be like so how's your new apartment like where's your boyfriend like can we talk about it so I've like kind of created this dynamic through my podcast wow. and through going to these schools where it's just like hey I'm a person you're a person I may have like all of these followers but like it's an open door you can talk to me I can talk to you and a lot of people that I work with and that I go out with they get like angry and they think that I hate it but I'm like at the end of the day, you don't like, this is what I wanted. This is what I asked for. And this is kind of how I did it. So, um, that's really cool. And on school and on campuses, like the most thing girls want to talk about is mental health. It's crazy. It's so big right now. And it's like so important to them to see someone that they look up to or see someone that's an influencer where else, Whereas everyone on social media kind of portrays their life as perfect, where I like get up and straight up tell them that it's not. They feel so open and it's just kind of, I just feel like it's what people need to talk about. So
2: that's great. Um, Earlier you were kind of alluding like now I'm starting to talk about it or like now I'm realizing all this stuff. What does your current like support system look like um, and where's this like newfound passion for like kind of digging up your past and like learning more about yourself?
0: Yeah. So uh, this past, um, I want to say, because this is like really new for me. Like, honestly, I've just started talking about myself more to my friends, to my family. It started, I would say, after I had my first really big, what the fuck am I doing moment? I was like, what am I here for? Uh, I feel like I'm not acknowledging, I feel like I was just existing. Like I felt like I was just going around and like I had no purpose. I, nothing was ever meaningful to me. I never had meaningful, And yeah, I I never had like meaningful conversations. And I, I listened to all all my friends talk about themselves and I helped them with themselves. And I'm just like, what am, what is my purpose? What am I doing? And, uh, it was more of just like a me sitting myself down and being like, You've been suppressing a lot of shit. And now that you're at a good point in your life, like let's, I don't know, talk about it. Let's figure it out. Why Why do you act the way that you do? Why don't you want to talk to your friends about things? Why don't you open up to your boyfriend about shit? And once I realized, I think it, I always knew in the back of my head that I was a very closed off person. But when people started making comments about it, like my new friends in New York about how closed off I was and how like I was acting different than everyone. I was like, oh, okay, maybe I am. And maybe I need to deal with that. So honestly, it was like people telling me that I was closed off and people like reaching out to me more, being like, you know, you can talk to me, right? And I'm like, yeah, I know, but like, I don't want to. And uh, my best friend helped me a lot. We kind of realized that we don't talk about our feelings and that we're all that we have here in new york because she ended up moving here with me too and um we sat each other down we drank a little and we just poured our hearts out we had a little cry sesh we let it out all on the table Mm -hmm. and we were like that felt good didn't it we didn't know how how good it felt to actually like talk about your feelings with someone else rather than in your own head and from Mm -hmm. that day on a couple months ago i've just been like so excited to talk about myself and what i'm going through and not in like an annoying way just like oh yeah no I can talk about myself and people do want to listen and it's fun it, it's honestly fun to like put the pieces together and realize why you act a certain way or like where did this come from and you learn so much about yourself I feel like I didn't even know myself a year ago and now like I really really know who I am
2: yeah that's great I uh I could spend all the fucking day like psychoanalyzing yeah. myself I think it's <laughs> so fun it's cool how now it's just like second nature you know it's such a hurdle in the beginning but now when i think about it like the message i'm trying to get across people is like it's not a big deal yeah you know like it's just it's just your life it's just what's going on it's not you're not being selfish you're not being annoying you're not you're just like it's not a big deal so that's cool that that you were able to get there and to do it with your friend too i mean another thing we always say is like you no one can do anything by themselves and like that that's that's very clear in your story as well. It's like, usually it takes kind of another person to help pick you up or you guys both kind of pick each other up uh, and you feel a bit less lonely and and kind of have someone to have your back.
0: Yeah, for sure. Definitely couldn't have done it alone. You need, you need to get it out as much as like you could sit down and talk to yourself, whether it's a therapist or a friend or just someone that's willing to listen. You need someone else, especially when you're, you're feeling really down and you never talk about yourself. feels good to get out
1: for sure. Um, How do you think about, like, kind of the new responsibility that you have with all these girls that follow you and, like, the pressure of, like, oh, like, you always have to be posting and you always have to be, like, kind of on, but also, like, wanting to take care of yourself and then making sure that, like, the message you're getting across is, like, one that's, like, hopefully the most helpful for them. Like, how do you think about balancing that? Because I imagine that that's that's such a hard thing to, you know balance.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. Um when in the beginning of the podcast you you talked about what you wanted to do like this year before it's over and it was like take time for yourself. I was like, "Damn. I have abs- like my schedule is booked until February every single day doing something traveling. I take no time for myself and it's definitely taking an impact on me where I feel like I have to be throwing out mass content. I have to be Doing all this stuff because, like, it could be gone tomorrow and I have it now. So it's like, you've got to focus on it. But then I'm realizing that it's just making what I'm putting out there worse. And you can, like, totally tell I'm run down and I need a break. And it's really hard to try to balance, like, what I should put on the internet, what I shouldn't, when I should take a break, when I shouldn't. And I think the perfect medium that I'm figuring out. And it's really hard to do what like I do social media. And you guys too, with this podcast is like, kind of separating real life and my life on social media. It's been really hard for me to do that. But I have been getting better at it. I've been making like schedules for myself, which I was super bad at time management. And I realized like it was making my life like a miserable hell, just like not being organized. And like, Making, even if it's an hour that I can sit on a couch without my phone and watch Netflix, I make time for myself now. And I feel like a crazy person that I'm like jotting out all of these like 15 minute windows I have to be normal. But it helps so much just like trying to organize yourself because if you don't take that time, then you just spiral. And journaling has been like a really big help for me to like, okay, you don't have to say everything on your podcast. You can like keep some stuff for yourself and just write it down. Even if you're just writing down what you want to do tomorrow, it just like feels good to debrief. And I think a lot of people, especially when they're like hungry to be successful, it gets mixed up and you don't take time for yourself. It's really, really, really important because I, I almost, I almost went down, down a couple, like in the beginning of, um, the beginning of when I moved to New York, it was super exciting, but I almost, I almost plummeted because I was taking no time for myself and I realized I was like a month away from a mental breakdown.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's like so exciting that you feel like you can't take a second off. Yes. Um, And I've also found the time thing just like time management scheduling like to be very freeing even though it kind of seems like the opposite because like putting in like even the 10 minutes a day to like plan your next day just like helps you so much and like allows you to like take time off without being worried about like not doing something Mm -hmm. and then also this year i actually took a week off in august and it was kind of my first time since we started the brand like four years ago that i actually wasn't like checking my email and and slack and stuff and i only really decided to do it because like my therapist suggested it so like i wasn't even really gonna do Mm -hmm. it or i was only gonna do it for like three days or whatever and um and and what he told me was basically like everything that you're doing right now is just because I was feeling like very like burnt out or whatever. And he was like, everything that you're doing right now is just going to be way worse. And like, it's never going to get better unless you like actually take time away. And I really found that when I did come back, like I had this like very much like renewed sense of energy. um, And then everything felt like easier and lighter. And I was like, in a better mood and and all those sorts of things. So I think counterintuitively, it actually helps your business or your life or whatever, which is hard to realize in the moment. My last question for you before Mason asks, like the final two that we always ask every guest is, you know, how do you think about what's next for you, right? Not in terms of like, okay, you're going to have a podcast, a bunch of these other things, but like, what is the impact that you hope to have, um, you know, when you look back 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now?
0: Um, I think about this a lot, actually. And I find myself like getting really scared when I ask myself this question, but I don't think it should be a scary question. Um... I don't think that everyone has to make this huge impact on, you know, the whole entire world or society. And I think a lot of people feel like they need to, like you need to change the world and you need to leave this like huge list behind of all the things you did to make the world a better place. And once I realized that not everyone can do that and not everyone needs to do that, just focus on the little things and the simple things like on a daily basis, my podcast or interacting with girls in my DMS and just like making a few people smile or making my relationships healthy and helping my friends and my loved ones along the along the journey of crazy of all of this crazy shit, just feel normal and feel loved. Uh, I think I just want to be remembered as like a loving, happy person, because I think for so long of my like childhood and life, I wasn't looked at like that. So I just want to be, I just want to be remembered as like someone that you would enjoy to be around. And I don't think, you know, you have to be, have these crazy aspirations to like change the world. I think it's okay to make small impacts too.
1: Well, I think actually like that is kind of how, I guess, most people change the world. I think we talk about, we have this thing called like the local optimist, which is just being like an optimist in your community. So whether that's your friend group or like to your parents or to your brother or sister and like that's what's going to have a ripple effect Mm -hmm. and affect all the people they interact with. So, you know, even saying like one nice thing to one person does change the world in some ways, even though that sounds kind of weird. Um, so yeah, I think it's an amazing
0: answer.
2: Two quick ones before we go, if you could nominate anyone to come on our show who has had a very inspirational message to you or someone that you look up to in the mental health space or outside of it, whose story you don't even know, uh, who would you nominate?
0: I would nominate this one's near and dear to my heart, Jenna Marbles, helped me get through a lot and realized that um you know, you could just be who you are and people will love you for that. I know she's like taken a hiatus off of social media or anything, but it was for mental health and it was for herself. So um I would love love to hear how she's doing and just how she's been surviving through all this stuff she's been going through. Um I think a lot of people would love that too. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's a good one. Who is that?
0: Do you know who that? She's is? a YouTuber. I do. Jenna Marbles. Yeah. Oh,
2: yeah. She's a YouTuber that's like is is taking a hiatus for her mental health yeah, right now. Yeah, she
0: was like the OG number one YouTuber. Um, she kind of went through the cancel culture wave, and she just realized mm-hmm. how toxic uh, social media was turning, and she just turned the cameras off, and sadly, no one's heard from her. Wow.
2: And lastly, uh, Brianna chicken legs or chicken <laughs> fries uh what uh, what makes you mad happy
0: uh what makes me mad happy i would say hanging out with my family and my friends and not thinking about work that's like my happiest time just being with my cool. friends and thinking about regular shit
1: love that that should be all of our answers <laughs> um well well brie thank you so much um super inspirational to hear your story we know you're impacting a lot of people so keep it up we'll definitely be rooting for you um but thank you so much for coming on
0: yeah thank you guys for having me i think this podcast is awesome the message is amazing so i hope everyone tunes in
1: oh yeah awesome thanks brie peace bye everyone bye thank you all so much for listening um wow what what a great episode i think um i think everyone will really take something away from it i think for me um just just the fact that we're able to quickly you know connect with her and and be able to talk about some of the things that maybe she hasn't even been talking about uh was pretty special and i think just for everyone out there like you can have those conversations too in your life whether it's with a friend or or someone you just meet sometimes so i thought that that was super special
2: yeah i think we know most of you guys are are high school students or mainly college students and to hear about her experience of dropping out of school and kind of struggling with what she wanted to do and then immediately falling into something that she loved and now is touring the country going back to all these schools really just shows that there's no one way to do this thing and hopefully anyone who is struggling or who's kind of lost uh this could inspire you to really ask yourself those hard questions have some conversations like payment said uh and ultimately end up in a better place so thank you guys for listening
1: yeah shout out Bri. we also want to remind everyone that mental health is an ongoing process and is something that takes daily work Check us out at localoptimist.com slash podcast for more resources, more support, and how you can continue the conversation. If you want to support the show, please follow us on Spotify or subscribe on Apple. Remember to check out our partnership with Cash App where we're giving you thousands of dollars a week to put towards your mental health.
2: Absolutely. And don't forget to tune in next week for episode 27. It's a big one. You guys aren't going to believe what we have on and you're not going to believe what we talk about either. Peace.
1: See you next time.
2: The Mad Happy Podcast is brought to you by Optimism.